On today's episode of Gathering the Kings, you can have success and a certain level of fulfillment without the passion, but there's a limit. For me, it's all about fulfillment. Yeah. And I think part of what fulfillment and success looks like is aligning passion, opportunity, and skill sets. And when you have those three, it's what I call the hedgehog, that's when you can really uh, unlock a lot more in your life. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. I've got Nick Nascimento here on the King stage. How did I do on that last name, brother? Spot on. What kind of business do you have, Nick? I run a coaching and consulting business, Chaz. I love so. it. Like Previously, he's the president of sales of a, a solar company, then was CEO of a, of a pest control company prior to that one. All, all based in, in sales and the sales process and the semantics of such. And so mm-hmm. we, we're talking to a sales expert here today. So I'm excited for that conversation. My, my sales history goes deep and it sounds like we'll be able to have a fairly intelligent conversation here today around, around some, we might be able to actually nerd out, as they say, on the sales Dude, process. That is- Today. That is what I like to do. Let's yeah. geek out, man. That's awesome. Before we do that, I got to know why. Like you, you just kind of read your like, half resume and just some really impressive titles and some things that you've built, and and now you're doing consulting and and you've been successful, but you're still after it. Why? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, for me, I've always been judged by family of like Nick, like how much is enough? Like with money, you know, like when is enough enough? Why are yeah. you working too hard? And it's caused me to reflect a lot. And there's been times where I've been a workaholic. And for me, it's not about the money. It's not, it's about the impact and uh, having a calling, you know, feeling called to go add value when you see problems within your industry that you want to make an impact on. And so I'm a, I'm a big, big believer in that and trying to have a bigger and bigger impact while simultaneously improving myself along the way. Right. Yeah, there's this phrase that uh, we like to say inside of Gathering the Kings, grateful, but not done. And I think that that reality sits true for a lot of entrepreneurs because we do have this immense talent, as I might say, to continue to look forward. Even though we may have just experienced one of the greatest days or the greatest deals of our life, we don't, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't sit too long in that success and we're always looking for the next thing. So I'm sure that'll play a role in some of our conversation here today. Do you think that you've always had that mindset with my follow-up question to that? Or has that grown over time? No, it's, it's grown over time. It's very interesting to ask that. When I was a kid, you know, young ages, I wanted to be a firefighter, you know, and I wanted to, and then that evolved into wanting to be a dentist so I could have free time to serve in my church, to have time with my family, right? Yeah. Want a, a little bit of financial freedom, but I just wanted time, free time. I've always wanted that, but the ambition has grown as I've been able to see impact and you know, adding value, serving people and seeing the result. It's cool. It's addictive. You know, it's a great thing to be addicted. Yeah, so. it is, you know, and, and you might have a listener listening to us talk about this right now. And 
guys like you and I understand that serving people is addictive and we can go, you know, down that rabbit trail, rabbit hole of, of serving and, and it feels good and you don't know it until you do it. And so I guess my, my kind of my pickle that I want you to help me climb out of here is for the listener who hasn't experienced that yet. They hear guys like you and I say, oh, it feels good to serve. And they, it's yeah, soft, like it's a little bit like, what are you talking about, dude? A little bit almost snake yeah. oil, you know? And I know that yeah. it's not because I've been there myself. In fact, actually, you're right. Nick's right. Like when you go to the next high level of just trying to figure out however much you can, like in every situation, add value. It's so much, so much better game to play than, than money. So yeah. Nick, how do we, how do we climb out of that pickle for the, for the guy listening and asking these questions? It starts with selflessness and you like, you don't have to be a believer. You don't have to be religious. You don't have to be faithful. Like you just have to understand that people have things that they're struggling with. And if you right. can empathize and tap into, you have the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes you instinctively become more of a friend to that person and you become more confident. That could be business interactions. It could be a sales meeting and you're more genuine and authentic and people want that. And so I think it comes naturally as you just strive to put, listen to people and understand their perspective, what they're going through, what their life has been. And that can be in business. It should be in business. And so that's how it's kind of evolved for me. Tell so. me what you think about this. Cause I, I agree with you and like super practically, when you were able to, you know, attain enough financial success or, you know, basically get, get the nut covered is what I like to call it. Right. Once you get the nut covered for me, cause I just don't need a whole bunch. I just, I'm just not an extravagant type of person. Of course we all like nice things, but I try to keep the nut fairly small. And so everything after that, it's like game time. It's, it's time to play in my opinion. And it, do you have, you, did you find that easier to kind of like let go and serve and play the game when when you weren't like worried about money. Yes, absolutely. You know, you think of Maslow's hierarchy of need, just financial security is one of them. And until you get all those needs taken care of, it's hard to have the top level of the hierarchy is self-actualization and fulfillment and big impact. And so when you get the the core needs, relationships, your family, your your finances, a roof over your head, payments out of the way you can access another level of confidence and ability to focus on other things, right? On impacting and growing something bigger. So I think having a foundation and getting that out of the way, yeah, it, it's huge. Yeah. So, well, and, and maybe as a business owner listening right now, that's why they need help growing their business, you know, or maybe they need sales training or because some of it is, is keeping conservative value around a budget or, you know, keeping the nut small, as I say, but, yeah. A greater lever to pull is growth, earning more money, you know, being able to provide a, a more value is what we say it, but you know, someone who doesn't understand Love that, it. maybe they're just thinking, I just gotta, I just gotta make more money. Okay. So I want, I want to get into your story here a little bit. You gave us quite a bit of yeah. like just very conceptual value there. I just, <clears throat> I just appreciate your mindset. Um, you've, you've been kind of along the journey here when it comes to business, you know, a couple different variations of sorts. Tell us how you got to where you are today. Well, first of all, I'm still on the journey and five, 10 years from now, still be on it. I'm never going to retire, but I had a lot of ups and downs. And, but yeah, I started, I started it when I went to school went to BYU, Idaho, and went on a mission to Brazil church mission. And, uh, out there, I learned one of the greatest missionaries that I had learned from served in Europe. Okay. And the story I had heard of him on a, a talk was, you know, in Europe, they don't baptize a lot of people. Okay. And so this guy 
this is part of my whole story. He, he baptized a lot and it's almost impossible out there with how, you know, that people are in the Catholic faith. It's great. And so they asked him like, what did, what did you do that was different? And he said, every time I met somebody, if I met a smoker, you know, I didn't see a smoker. I saw a person in white robes with a changed life. Right. And that stuck with me, Chaz, because that's a, that's a, a principle of being able to see people not as they are or their current situation with, with your product, without your product, but seeing them as they can become with their potential, right? And for business, the side of understanding where they're at and then how can your product or service benefit them if it can. And if it can't, acknowledge that and go spend time with someone that it can, right? And that's right. a big thing I believe in. So anyways, that was a big thing for me that helped me find success on that you know, service trip, you know, mission for two years. And then coming back, jumping into sales, I wanted to be a dentist and went out for a summer to do solar and pest control and um, I made more than what dentists make in, in four months in college at 21. So I'm like, hmm, right. maybe we rethink this, <laughs> this game plan <laughs> I had, right? And so started recruiting, building teams around that, right? And, and part of my story was these sales industries in the door-to-door realm, especially, they praise the top salespeople, Okay. And it's part of the model, which is ugly, but they have, they don't have to, but it's, it's kind of by default where they almost worship and idolize the top reps. Because if we idolize the top 1%, we make other people want to be like him or her. Yeah. And so instinctively that increases numbers for a lot of people. Right. And it's a kind of a toxic culture. And so that got to my head, my ego and affected a lot of things in my life. You know, I think pride really can block a lot of success. You, you need a balance of, you need personal self-confidence, a, a ton of it to be ultra successful, but you absolutely do need humility and recognizing, you know, your weaknesses and, and leveraging other people to help compensate for those. Right. Yeah. So that, that's been a big thing for me. So anyways, was working with the fastest growing pest control company in the United States of America. They were not even on the radar 2015 and then 2016, number one, fastest growing. And now they are the largest pest control company in the world called Aptive. But I left that company. I saw where it was going. I'm a control freak. It's one of my weaknesses. And when the service on the operation side doesn't get done the way I want it to, the value is not being delivered. And I, I don't sales. like that. And it doesn't matter if you're a VP of sales, pres- president of sales, you don't control that side of the business, right? right? And so that's when I'm like, I need to break off. I need to go start my own thing. And so I started my own pest control company. So I prioritize family because that is not the best market to start a pest control company. I mean, imagine saturation is a big thing in business. And I jumped in one of the most saturated markets there, right? Peter Thiel talks about this with the zero to one. Saturation is a very important aspect. But anyways, I loved it because lifestyle out there for me and my family was awesome. And built that up, sold it because passion was not there. And that's important for me. That's the thing I really believe in. You can have success and a, a certain level of fulfillment without the passion, but there's a limit. And for me, it's all about fulfillment. Yeah. And I think part of what fulfillment and success looks like is aligning passion, opportunity, and then skill sets. And when you have those three, that's what I call the hedgehog. That's what Jim Collins refers to it as. That's when you can really uh, uh, unlock, you know, a lot more in your life, I feel like. Yeah. And so... I started moving into consulting and coaching while doing solar part-time because, yeah. So did that for about a year and a half. We built up to a quarter million in, in coaching with our first month. Problem was I was working in the business, not on the business. I was the coach. So once we hit a quarter million, 
we stopped at a quarter million because <laughs> right. I was doing all the coaching. I had more. So and then I was taken on as president of a solar company up until recently. I stepped down and ramping up the coaching business again and getting ready to build a sales convention. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. You've got, you know, you've got a unique history, but I love, I love that even at a, such a young age, you can speak from building something, from exiting something, working for somebody else, working for your own. I mean, you've got, you know, all these different dynamics that you can process information through now. And I think that that gives you an advantage for the things that you're going to do in the future, because you can think in a big business scenario and also in a, in a little business scenario, because those are different. Um, yeah. Inside of that, I want to talk about your decisions because you've obviously made some you know, some fairly weighty decisions, even the ones that you've kind of already shared with us. But I want to talk about a good decision that you've made in business where you can look back and go, okay, when I did, when I did this, it, it changed the trajectory of everything. What, what is that for you? I was starting my pest control company. Two, two things, jumping into sales as an entrepreneur, it's low risk way to get into starting business because you learn how to work for yourself without the risk because the business models figured out, right? You just, there's two things to learn. You got to learn how to run a business market and, and then you got to learn how to work for yourself and learning both those jumping in from a nine to five. Whew, that's yeah. a lot for a lot of people, right? To have the self-discipline, the motivation to push through the, the failures. So you can learn as an entrepreneur working for someone else in a sales related role. And you don't have to even do sales. You can work. I just, a, 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 I believe in competent people off of not time, but the value, right? And having KPIs and metrics set up where you can compensate based off performance. So one, that was one big learning lesson. The other is, oh yeah, for starting my pest control company, answering your question, Chaz, was one of the big wins because got it on my own, you know? I broke the chains, yeah. so to say, of in, in the industry I was in, we're making tons of money. You know, you're making half a million a year plus and you're growing. Yeah. And it's hard to walk away from that, you know? Yep. So I'm glad I did. Yeah, it's interesting because there's been several, even in my own story, I don't share much, you know, about me on the podcast here, but Nick, even before the recording, before I hit the recording button, Nick was like, whoa, 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 come back. Tell me about you. So I'll, I'll take the liberty here to share a quick story. Cause he's talking about, yeah. you know, leaving great income. I, I had a scenario, similar deals, a sales opportunity or sales role that I was in and making about that amount, but I had already had four or five other companies outside of that. And I had an opportunity to go work for Grant Cardone and build a big business, an agency. And so I literally gave up about 500,000. I didn't give up my businesses, obviously, because I still owned those, but I gave up this, this ginormous W2 um, sales role that I was in. And I left, I moved my entire family to Miami and, and it was Frank Kern and Grant Cardone. And and we did the agency thing for a little while. And once I could see that the writing was on, on the wall, that it wasn't going to work out, you know, we ended and we came back, but I remember what was that it for you, right? I what remember was it for you really of like giving up what I knew because I had been doing it for years. Right. And going, mm -hmm. okay, I'm literally just putting it to the side. I was the number one, everything. And being able to go down and move my family across the country. It felt like a, we were living in a different country, literally, because Kansas City to Miami couldn't be more different. And and then starting starting a business with a few other people while still running multiple companies of my own in real estate and all this craziness. And so I just I just want to hone in on this moment that you described because I can I can relate, which is you broke the mold or this film of that you needed someone or a job or a W2. And even though it was much probably harder for you because you were making so much more money than, than the average person who quits and starts their own business. My follow-up question to that, Nick, is how have you leveraged that feeling? 
now. I like that. Well, can I can I piggyback on that real quick and then jump into that? Yeah, yeah, please. I, I, I think why people don't make the jump is I think why people make the jump and why they don't make the jump is fear. I think fear is the great motivator. And the fear is of why we don't, everyone knows is, well, what if we fail, right? X, Y, Z, all the, un- the unknowns. And those are real. You don't just ignore it, right? And in some extent, I think being naive is a blessing. That's a whole other tangent we could go down rabbit hole. Yeah. But the fear of what gets you to jump in is for me, is the fear of what if. Yeah. What if I did well? The FOMO of what if I did well and I found out 10 years from now? Yeah. And I jump in when I'm, you know, when I'm 35 or, or 40, right? At right. that time, yeah, it would have been 35, 10 years from yeah. So that is a big thing that I think will help people make that jump is what the the fear of failure and then the fear of what if I succeed and I push it off. Right. That's always been a thing, a catalyst for me yeah. is opportunity costs and FOMO of that. Yeah. So I would agree completely. So how have you, how have you okay, so, leveraged that now as you've kind of made some transition even recently in your life? And how so? Like expand on that. Yeah. So the feeling of, I mean, I, I, I'm going to be a little bit blocked with this, but you know, the feeling that I don't need anybody. Right. Or that I can go, I can go create something out of pure nothing, not just inside of a sales role or inside of, of an organization. Yes. But I don't even need that. I'm going to go do my own own. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously you're going yeah, back to I the think, agency, you're building up coaching again. Like, is that because yeah. you kind of, you, t- you touched base again? It was like, this is definitely like, I'm, I'm all in this time. Or like, what, what is that feeling now that's pressing you forward to where you're like, you're not going back to anywhere else, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's, I remember I talked about the, the passion, the skill set, and opportunity. Uh, for me, it is the passion is the big thing igniting because I've had the opportunity and I've had the skill set and I've made tons of money but the passion has always been missing. And in some, some levels I've had the passion, but it hasn't been to a degree that's fulfilling enough for me, right? Sure. And so that is what is causing me to want to go all in and ignore other opportunities and say no. And that, that could be a whole conversation with some of the biggest mistakes I've made is not saying no and saying yes to people and saying yes to opportunities that were very attractive. Yeah. So it sounds like you could relate with your story too. Oh, absolutely. Part and I think that the, really every entrepreneur you know, relates to a degree, right? Wow. We, we, we learn to say yes at the beginning because we have to, we have to say yes, we're trying to survive. And so it's yes, 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 yes. Figure out the rest later, work all day, every day, like yep. just, just survive. But at some point yep. there is a, there's a return, a diminishing of returns on saying yes. And in fact, actually now the leverage is saying no and staying focused. And so for you, obviously that's what you're doing now. You're, you're saying, okay, I'm dialing in give us some examples or maybe some stories around the, when you didn't say no, like you just mentioned. Yeah. Oh yeah. So one of the biggest failures was, and this is not to the company, but the solar company I worked as president of sales, I was offered that position and I took it. That was the biggest mistake. And it wasn't because it was working with a bad company. There's nothing like, it's a fantastic company that I love. And I love the people fully believe in it, but it was a mistake. And it's something I believe God wanted me to do to learn it. So I can remember it's ingrained. It's six months of what I look now as a big failure ingrained, you know, an impressed memory of you need to be building and working for you and be building what, you know, you feel called to do. And, and so that, yeah, even if the money is great, that's usually a a motivator for a lot of people to get in and that's great. Right. And then if the, 
it's usually the money and the freedom to work for yourself, right? To get into a sales role or, you know, an executive role. And that's great, right? A lot of people will be fulfilled, but you have to look at your skill sets and your abilities. Everyone has different gifts and skills that they've been given and that they've magnified, right? Mm -hmm. And and if you're not leveraging those skill sets to the, the full potential, even if you're you're making lots of money, you're not going to feel fulfilled. So that's been a big thing I've learned is tapping into my passion and tapping into what I feel called to do and not saying yes to opportunities just because it's a shining opportunity. You know, I remember Chad's reading a quote from Warren Buffett. He said, uh, people ask Mike, what's his number one tip for success, right? And Buffett says, saying no. <laughs> so his ability to say no. And when I read that when I was 21, I'm like, what does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. I had no idea. And after another almost decade of business now, I know exactly what he's referring to because yeah. I've made that mistake so many times of being a yes man and in sales or in leadership and recruiting. It's very easy to get into that of being a yes man and a people pleaser, right? Yeah. And so it can cost you. And what it costs you is your time and your energy. And those are the two most precious things. Yeah, absolutely. What do you say to the listener right now who is caught in the the yes machine as we'll call it and you know really what that turns out to what that looks like on the outside is that they're chasing their tail they're busy being busy you know just they just say yes there's no real strategy they're all over the place and and we might be talking about a big business owner right now i mean we might be talking about a guy who's yeah. got a big team and millions of dollars but he just he isn't dialed in he's he needs to say no what does that look like for the listener? I've, and I've seen it with very successful people, right? I call it being like a chicken with your head cut off and I've been there. So to kind of hit on that, I think there's, I always thought it was yes and no were the two things you can answer, right? I recently hired a very successful mentor, Chris Crone. Um, he was mentored with Tony Robbins and he taught me it's not about just yes and no, it's no or delegate. And so I think as an entrepreneur, even as a salesperson, even as an entrepreneur, or, uh, you know, know what your values for your earnings per hour. If you make $30 an hour right. and you're going to doing, you know, a, a task that is a $10 an hour activity, step back and think about that, right? Save up a cash pool and allocate a time where you can eventually hire that out. Right. And then what happens is you can increase their earnings per hour. And for executives, oh my goodness, right? <laughs> It's even a bigger thing, you know, and salespeople, they make a lot more than that. And so right. you got to reverse engineer the numbers for, I'm a numbers guy and how much you make per hour. And then every time opportunities come to you, it might be a good opportunity. Like for anybody wanting to build a personal brand on social media, very smart thing. But is it worth our time to edit the videos? Probably right. not. Hire it out, right? And so I think learning to not be like, you have the control freak. A lot of entrepreneurs have the, they want to take control. That's why they go start a businesses, but you've got to have a balance of taking control, but also giving away control to other people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and in a true team dynamic, like you're talking about, you have not so much necessarily giving away control. Yes. That is, that is for the entrepreneur. <laughs> That's what we're thinking. We're giving away. But yeah. really what you're doing is you're just elevating somebody to, to be who they need to be in that position because we joke about it even within Gathering the Kings, even just within my my podcast like process. If they're like, no, 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 stop. You go be the show ponies. Like, just go do the thing. You know, go put your face out there. Go put your voice out yeah. there, and and we'll take care of the rest. Like, get your nose out of this. You know, um, which is funny. We have a good time about it, but it's it's me, yes, giving control away, but it's also me going, 
they're a lot better at that than me and having some humility and going, okay, I, you're right. If I just stay in my lane, which is goes, takes us back to the yes and the no, yes to my lane, no to your lane. I, I don't, I don't need to be in your lane. I'm going to, you stay in your lane and yeses are over here for me. Everything else is no. And that's like, once you yeah. start dialing that in, like that makes a lot of sense. You yes. know, whether you've got one business or, or multiple, you know, like you just got to, whatever the lane is, that's the only yes that you should be giving really. Agreed. And I think, you know, the lane when you identified your highest performing activity, which pays the highest amount like we, yeah. and that's usually where you add the most value and it's yeah. with your skill set, right? Like you right. could be good at building spreadsheets on organization, but you could also be good at negotiating deals and that negotiating deals could be a $1,500, $2,000 activity. If you yeah. divide about how much time you spend per year per week and then how much it made you. A lot of executives have activities that make them five grand an hour plus, right? And so, but they only dedicate 10% of their time to it. And so, yeah, I think identifying the tasks and the items that are the big, big things for you that you love doing and that make you the most money, where you provide most value and then hiring out, you know, bringing other people that are better than you. You know, that's what Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk were masters at. Yeah. And it's the who, right? First. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I'm gonna. You you said something a few minutes ago. You you reverse engineered something that we were talking about, and you know I don't I don't often hear that type of language within certain personalities. Some personalities I do. I like yours that like to start with the end in mind, reverse engineer all the way back. Um, and so what I want you to do for us is reverse engineer your decision making process, right? Like when something comes across your desk, whether you're hiring a big big name like Chris Crohn's or you're starting your own business or you're hiring somebody. What's, what's your, what's your, what's your decision-making process look like? I think long-term, I think long-term, if I'm partnering with somebody, I want to date them. I want to get to know them. I've learned that that takes a lot of time, right? If, if it's a, something I want to invest in, if it's something, a, an idea to implement, I'm thinking long-term, I'm thinking 10 years plus. And I've learned that from Buffett. You know, I see a lot of people stock trading and day trading and stuff. And it's, it's just silly. When he buys something, he buys it to hold for a decade plus. You know, I think the same way, if, if you're building something with a bigger vision, uh, you're thinking long-term and you start making bigger plays and you, you say yes to the right things and you say no to almost everything. And that kind of helps you, helps you. And also making sure you know, you got to know what your hedgehog is. You got to know what you're the best at, right? You don't have to be good at sales, marketing, and finance, or not to be the best at advertising, you know, in a space, or you just have to be the best at one specific thing. And you've got to know how your business provides that value or yourself or, you know, in your job and your role and stick to that, stay in your lane. Right. And so I think just taking a step back, writing out all your talents and gifts, writing out what actually makes you good money and what are your good opportunities and identifying the top ones and making sure you say yes to things that match with that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And no to the things that don't <laughs> is the, is yeah. the natural converse. That, that, okay. And that's the hardest part. That is the hardest part. It's so it's easier said than done, but that is yeah. the hardest part. Yeah. There's a filter, right? So like, you know, I would, you know, I would say it's something like you determine what you want. If this thing in front of me helps me get there, I do it. If this thing doesn't help me get there, I don't do it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know that's really, really profound, but it's pretty easy decision-making at that point because it's just yes or no, it's logic. However, what you're saying is that majority of people just haven't sat down long enough to figure out what they actually want, or in this case, their skill set, or their lane or their job description or whatever. It's all in the same vein that we're talking about here. 
And yeah. once you have that clarity, then then you can apply it to the decision and say yes or no. It's pretty easy. Or, yeah, and, no or delegate, and, I guess, right? Yes. And that yes. And that usually falls back to your why. Like what why, not the what or the how, but why are you actually doing what you're doing? What's the impact, right? And another thing that's on a side note on this for with making decisions is take out a list of like 150 things that you have to do, right? And of those 150 items, identify you have the the little matrix you can do of what's urgent and then what's important, right? Something might be very important, but it might not be urgent, okay? And so you've got to have a balance there. I do weigh some of my big decisions actually on a spreadsheet. (laughs) And uh, and then you have, and this is from Stephen R. Covey and a lot of other people like that. You might have something that is not very important, but it's extremely urgent. Right. right. Like responding to a, a, an email about some job that's getting done and it's a, a big job. Right. And it's not right. super important, but it's urgent. So you got to take care of it. Yeah. And so that's exactly. a way to help prioritize where your time goes. And then on a, that's on a micro level and on a, on a bigger macro level is if you take those 150 things that you got, you're looking at, like if you're looking at a list or just of all these things that you could do to build a company or, or to start out on a new path, identify which ones are going to make which of those items of those 150 things, identify five, 10 items that doing those first will make the others easier or go away, right? Or go away. Correct. And do those first. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. I hope the listeners paying attention. You're giving them super practical stuff that can, that can help them right now. So pause if you need to take down what he just said, makes giving you the juice. I want to go to the speed round here. The first question in my speed round is around metrics. Obviously you, you, (laughs) in order to help Anybody with sales, you first have to track and keep accountable. That's what I said to you before you hit the recording button, Yep, which is KPIs. And so if you could only pick one thing to track, what would it be? A number of people talk to. Okay. And why? Because there's, it's the number one, it controls everything. It's the factor where the funnel comes down to You could, there's two things in sales. It's skill set and volume. Okay. And the beauty of, I pick volume 10 times out of 10 over training on skill set, because when you have the volume and you improve volume, guess what happens to skill set? It organically improves, right? Any massive a craft, 10,000 hours plus. So go put the time in, go talk to more people. It's the fastest way to learn. Just go get no's and organically, you're going to get some laydowns here and there. Yep. Now, so that is the number one metric. And I love working in industries where a lot of people just wait for leads to come in. There's always a way. I'm obsessed on finding ways to control, right? There comes the control freak, control it to go get more leads and go put yourself in front of more people. That doesn't mean pushing yourself down their throat, pushing your product, shoving it down their throat. It means talking, giving a quick presentation, good fit, you candidate. Yes, cool. Schedule another call, right? Volume on that. And the other beauty of volume too is it doesn't require you to be that you know, the typical salesperson of just shoving it down the throat, right? It's an abundant mindset. There's, dude, there's so many people, there's so many businesses and opportunities out there. You just have to find the right people. Yeah. I love the answer. Even inside of that, I used to train salespeople around mindset of, I guess it's confidence related, but what you were just talking about, which is you act different when you've already got a bunch of sales and it's the abundance. Absolutely. <laughs> The, the, the core of it is abundance, but it's when you don't, when you don't have any sales and, and then you don't believe in abundance that then, you know, you, you call it commission breath or desperate, or, you know, we've got all these terms yep. and sales, but yep. the trick is, is like what, what, what Nick is telling you guys is 
how do you operate in abundance, whether whether the sales are there or not yet today, this week, this month, whatever. And because when, when you have confidence in not only just the volume of what comes in, but your ability to go create it, Correct. it, then you never have to worry when you get somebody on the phone that you have to choke them out in order to get the sale because yeah. um, you've got plenty to choose from. And so yes. Nick's giving you really, really practical stuff here, especially in the, in the world of prospecting and controlling your pipeline. And, and even if you're listening right now and you're a big business owner, you have salespeople right now on your team that need to be thinking yep. like what Nick's given, which is abundance mindset. And then I just love that perspective. It's like, if you tell a salesperson, if you had, you know, let's say the quota is three sales a week and it's Wednesday and you've already got five, that, that dude or that, that lady from Wednesday to Friday is just having some of the best incredible conversations that they've ever had because they don't feel like they need the deal. They're already crushing. They got this uber yeah. confidence. And so everything yeah. next given to you hopefully gets your people in that mindset sooner, even before they get the five sales on Wednesday, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Momentum is magical. It, it is. is a it's it's an invisible phenomenon that exists in the world. And any person can tap into it, right? And numbers and work are correlated to it. And it doesn't mean being a workaholic, it just means you got six hours that you're working just to talk to more people, right? That's right, that's right. Yeah. Good stuff, man. What, what book or resource would you recommend for a listener, a business owner listening right now who wants to grow? Zero to One is Phenomenal by Peter Thiel. He helped build PayPal. He teamed up with Musk. I mean, you've got guys that have branched off from that company to go build YouTube and a lot of other tech companies, companies that have helped our, the CIA take down Bin Laden. I mean, that is a book where you get in the eyes of some very successful entrepreneurs and how to build and scale a business. Read a lot. That one is a big one. So zero to one, Peter, you've got the classics, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have read Think and Grow Rich. And then, you know, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Carnegie. It's just like a, something you should reread all the time. So those are some big ones for me. A personal favorite is uh, The Greatest Salesman in the World. You say, of course. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you were the, in a, it's not really much about that, you know? No, it's not. It's not actually. It's, it's a great story. For, well, it's very easy, very short read. You're an accountant, you're a mama, you know, you're a grandpa, go read the book. <laughs> it's going it, to, it's very impactful. So yeah. a lot of, I love it because it's principle driven and they're yep. timeless principles that apply now and they'll be the same principles for success a hundred years from now. That's right. So right. trying to think some other good ones that people might not know of. Hmm. Those are some big ones for me. I think thinking good to great is also classic for business. Like that is just a staple. You gave, you gave plenty. That's great. Next question is, what do you think about intentionally networking or masterminding with other entrepreneurs? I believe your network is your net worth. And I believe it opens the doors of exponentiality and instead of linear growth, it, it compounds. And so when I say compound interest, the eighth one of the world and the human form of compound interest is networking. So it's a, it's a self, selfish thing, but if you provide value, it's a selfless thing too. It's a win-win. So know your value and then when networking, I always think, what value do I provide to this person? You know, I don't want to just steal his time or her time. Hopefully I can bring something to the table for them, you know? Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it's also going to conferences, business seminars. I got a, a mentor that's worth half a billion and is about to surpass Tony Robbins' net worth by going to his seminar and donating money, right? And to get around those big people, it's not that they're just a-holes, right? <laughs> it's they're busy. And it, you got to provide value. And if you don't bring them any value, 
sometimes you just got to pay them, right? AKA masterminds and, and, you know, donations like that. Mine was lucky where he was really wanting to help Ukraine, people in Ukraine. And so I got to kill two birds, one stone where the money was saving lives. But I also got to get on his private jet with him multiple times because of it. And just next level mentorship. So it's just game changing. When you're around that, it just, it, it is a complete mental breakthrough on what you thought was possible. Just being in their presence. Yep. It is game changing. So literally just go get around big people. A mistake I made was not, I, I'm always obsessed on being the dumbest person in the room. And so that is a thing you should constantly strive for. Go be the dumbest person. Go find, go get in better rooms with bigger people. Love it. Love it. Okay. I got a question for you about family. I know we talked about this just briefly, you know, before we jumped on here, you've got a little bit of uniqueness story for this part, but my belief in business is that we're successful because we're obsessed. It's a burning desire matched with the definiteness of purpose. And I believe that we're successful in our families for that same reason. And there's word balance doesn't exist. Like we, like I'd say this, I'll say Absolutely. this. So my question to you is how do you hold the same level of burning desire for your family? Like you do for your business or your, your ambitions in your career. I love it. Chaz. And first of all, I have to set the stage. I have not been a master of this. I have failed miserably, but I've learned so much from it. And I'm very grateful from it. But this is something very near and dear to my heart. I think it's, yeah, I agree with you. It's not about uh, balancing and just splitting your time. It's it's about being present and going all in all wherever you're at. If you're at work, be 100%. If you're at home with your family, be 100%. Be present. Give them your attention. And if your phone's blowing up with a message, well, figure it out. You've got to create a system where you can be present where you're at. Yeah, it's good. And, and you don't, that doesn't mean it has to be every day. It's one thing I've learned is, I love, I'm a very routine fiend, right? I know a lot of us are, a lot of entrepreneurs, successful people are. There's some things you don't have to do every day. You don't have to have a, you know, a 30 minute breakfast with a partner or, but having time dedicated, at least whether it's every day, every week, just some kind of form, right? Where you're invested into that group, that family, that person, I think is important. And time blocking is a very uh, successful habit of well, like people that I admire, right? If somebody's just financially well off, I don't aspire to be like, right? It's not my, not my thing. You know, there's a lot of reasons I don't look at Grant Cardone as a formal mentor, take some advice, but I have to put it through a filter, right? <laughs> Cause he doesn't right. have the same priorities that I have. And so, um, yeah. Yeah. It's good, man. I think that number one, you, you establish priorities is what I heard you say. And then you, you, you dial in, I mean, and it's so hard. It's so hard to, because they, they overlap as entrepreneurs We're we're in different sections of time in, in our life, sometimes at the same time. And so I think it's usually the pollination of the different areas that actually helps with, you know, spending the quality time across the board. So I just appreciate your perspective there. I know that, you know, you sharing and being vulnerable is a big deal, especially for guys just in general. But yeah, I mean, I, I would say. The question is posed one, because I mean, I'm doing cool stuff like taking, taking families on a family mastermind cruise later this year. And it's, it's great to talk about this topic, but this question and even my family mastermind cruise stems from me being a hard driver and, and needing years ago to be like kind of slapped upside the head by my wife <laughs> and, and, and repeatedly, even still today, I'm sure that she still feels this way a little bit, but we, we try to cross pollinate as much as we possibly can to be able to go wherever we need to go as a family or 
B, we got family time on the on the calendar, like you said, time blocking. So a lot of lot of a lot of great things that you said. Last question. This might be a little interesting because you're you're a young guy still, but my mm. question to you, Nick, is if you could whisper in the younger Nick's ear, what would you say? Kind of what we hit on earlier. You got to say no to about ninety nine percent of opportunities that are going to come across the table for you. You're going to have to say no. And it's funny because I had this advice. I already read it from other billionaires, but I didn't understand how important it was and should be looking for it. So say no, <laughs> be ready to say no and follow the passion. So that would be, it. I know it's kind of vague, but we've talked about some of the specific aspects of that already. Yeah, that's good. I appreciate that, Nick. How can the listener find you? Number one, if they're a business owner and they either they themselves are running their sales process, or maybe they have a sales team and they need help, how can they find you? And then also, two, if they're just a business owner, they want to you know they want to pick your brain. How can they find you that way as well? Yeah, network. Well, I love networking. Love meeting people on Instagram. Is probably the best method for just DM me. It's at Nick and Sales. So N I C K N Sales. Okay. Awesome. And go back on your family thing. I just, I just thought of something. I remember asking my mentor, Chris Crone, this question, you know, he consults over hundred companies, half a million, half a billion net worth. And he's got a great family. That's what I admire about him. Great family, 42, young, successful, healthy. He's got it all. His book he just wrote is called Have It All. And the guy does. <laughs> and that he's crushed my, my limiting beliefs that you can be financially well off as an investor, business owner, consult everything. You can have a successful marriage and you can have good health. It's very rare you find that and you think they've traded something. You've got to trade it. You can't, right? You're either going to be a fat, successful guy that's broken and divorced and single and lonely, or you're going to be the jack guy that can't run a successful business, but has a great marriage, you know, right? It's, it's possible. It's possible. And it's by actually working and collaborating with the other people yeah. and, and delegating. So. Good. A lot of great stuff here. Nick, we'll put uh, obviously the connection opportunity with you and Instagram on the show notes. But again, just blessings to you, blessings to your family, your kiddos, and everything that you have your hands to now. Thank you for being here on the show with us. Grateful for it, Chaz. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together one thousand kings specifically who are grateful but not done we're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business family and communities and here's what we believe that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy so if that relates and and resonates with you and you know that you need people around you sharp qualified other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.